Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of SFF Yeah! is brought to you by the Read Harder Journal. Created by us here at Book Riot, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read. Evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by our annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Uh, these challenges are separate from the 2018 and or 2019. So if you need a little more challenge in your life, here you go. You can indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books, get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant, find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. So go to bookriot.com slash read journal for your copy. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 43, and we're recording a little bit early on December 21st. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and we are coming to you from Book Riot, and today we're going to talk about our most anticipated 2019 sci-fi fantasy reads. I'm super excited about next year in science fiction and fantasy as I was perusing the list of what's coming out. I know. I had uh, Sharifa, I'm sure, had a good laugh about my little section of the agenda because I had like six, I was like, hmm, 16 titles. <laughs> Definitely will not get to talk about all of these. I have managed to pare it down, but it's going to be a really good year, I think. I know. There were a, like, I was basically going through Edelweiss, which is, uh, you know, where we go to see what's coming up and to. Or, or ask for some review copies. And I was like, I had so many on my shelf when I was done just for this episode. So mm-hmm. I did not blame you for that huge <laughs> list because I had the same struggle when I was trying to whittle it down. Well, fortunately, I remembered that I also write the Swords and Spaceships newsletter. And ah. I was like, oh, I can just put everything I don't get to talk about on the show in the newsletter. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's a good thing yeah. to have in the back pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Okay, so before we get into some news, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is The Similars by Rebecca Hanover. And this fall, six new students are joining the junior class at the Elite Darkwood Academy, but they aren't your regular overachieving teens. They're clones, and they're joining the class alongside their originals. The Similars are all anyone can talk about. Who are these clones? What are the odds that all of them would be Darkwood students? And who is the madman who broke the law against cloning to create them? Emmeline Chance couldn't care less. Her best friend Oliver died over the summer, and it's all she can do to get through each day without him. Then she comes face to heartbreaking face with Levi, Oliver's exact DNA replica and one of the similars. So author uh, Rebecca Hanover, she's an Emmy Award-winning television writer who is now writing uh, YA, and the book discusses issues such as DNA, human cloning, secret societies, it's timely and topical. And it'll appeal to a wide range of readers. And the author actually consulted with her engineer, inventor, and futurist father-in-law, which is really cool to come up with some of the ideas for this book and to make sure she was actually basing some of it in reality. So that sounds cool. If it sounds like your cup of tea, you should check out The Similars by Rebecca Hanover. Thanks so much for sponsoring today's show. All right, let's talk about some news. And the first Mm -hmm. thing I want to talk about, because I was, (laughs) I'm in LA right now, I'm visiting my friends, and the first thing I did was go to visit my friend. We were supposed to go have a trip to wineries, and she got the flu at the last minute. Oh, no. Yes, so we canceled that, and I was just sitting with her basically when I arrived and forcing her to watch The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, (laughs) 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 because I've already seen it. 
So when I saw the news that uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina got orders, got an order for 60 more episodes from Netflix, I was super excited because I've been enjoying it. I basically just sat on my floor over two days and watched the whole thing. So it's very marathon worthy. And because of these 16 episodes that were ordered, it creates a season two and season three. Originally, um, it was picked up for two 10 episode seasons. Now we know it's going to get more seasons. Um, so they're going to air in two, uh, two parts and it looks like season two is going to premiere April 5th, which isn't too far away. Um, and parts three and four are slated to go into production in 2019. So hopefully we, we'll get those soon after uh, season two. And I just, I don't know, like I was dubious about Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And I think we were talking about it earlier when it was just announced. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sure I would like it. I used to read like Archie comics and I'd see, you know, the old timey Sabrina. And I hadn't read the graphic novel. So I was also trying to read before watching. That did not happen. (laughs) I just ended up going straight into the show. But I really enjoyed it. And now I definitely have to pick up the graphic novel because it's really dark. And it has this weird mix. If, If anybody out there hasn't watched it and you're curious, it has like this weird mix of being really dark, but also there are parts of it that are kind of lighthearted, like the way the characters act and interact with each other reminded me of some of those old-timey Archie Comics Sabrina strips. So it's been really interesting to watch it, and I definitely want to know what happens because there is a bit of a a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of season one. So I'm really thrilled. Have you have you checked it out at all? It's on my list for next week when the book riot offices are closed. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely, I have a short list of things I really need to binge and, um, or marathon watch, excuse me. And that is one of them. And, um, I have to say that even though I haven't started watching it yet, I've been really enjoying the news cycle around this show because yes. there have been some like stellar, like Netflix got sued for millions of dollars by um, the satanic temple for like ripping off one of their like bath, Baphomet statues. Yes. And then the church of Satan like put out a press release that was like, we love this show. It's great. <laughs> and it's just been fascinating to watch the conversation around like, real world satanism and how it relates to this show it's delightful i'm very i've been enjoying that a lot uh so yeah so i'm grateful to the show at the very least for that and i do plan on watching it i've seen some pretty mixed reviews about some of the um choices they made in terms of how different characters plot arcs play out for Mm -hmm. like representation purposes and you know diversity standards which i think is you know about par for the course in 2018 alas um (laughs) but but yeah i've been hearing from a lot of people that like missteps and all it's a lot of fun yeah i would agree with that and hopefully you know it 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 seems like this is a show where they can improve over time on some of that stuff so Mm -hmm. um it'll be interesting also when the new seasons come out to see if they make any changes or if they take any of the critiques to heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's see. I want to talk about my favorite holiday (laughs) story that I think I've ever seen. You know exactly where I'm going. Um, The author, Diana Rowland, who writes novels, including one that I've had on my shelf for a while um, called My Life as a White Trash Zombie, uh, apparently has a tradition of she she normally puts out dragons, inflatable dragons during Halloween. And she decided to put them up a few years back uh, during Christmas. And so there's this amazing picture in the link um, where the dragons are all wearing like little Santa hats. There's like presents around them and there's holly and mistletoe and apparently she got a really angry letter from a neighbor an anonymous letter from a neighbor asking her to take her inappropriate display down and like you know uh, 
her name it makes your neighbors wonder if you're involved in a demonic cult oh my um and like i hope you learn the true meaning of christmas <laughs> it's like totally amazing um and then the next day like she tweeted about it and of course it went viral and the next day her sister brought her two more dragons for the display because what do you do when your neighbor gets mad about your dragon display you add more dragons she also put halos on them so that they were now angels and cited a biblical verse to that effect um and it's just fantastic i think my favorite thing about the story is that people as they do were offering her donations to add even more dragons but she was like no no donate to a charity instead and then also dropped a little like i make good money i can buy my own dragons in <laughs> and i'm just delighted by the story from start to finish like you can't you can't beat it like what's not to love about this story <laughs> i can't imagine somebody being curmudgeonly who doesn't love dragons and <laughs> i mean they're not christmasy enough for this neighbor clearly clearly the note- they're not ex- they're not jesusy enough is the correct answer it here. does it does seem that way it, i yeah. i love the part of the note where uh, the way that this is articulated like this person's <laughs> disappointment the person who wrote the note said your dragon display is only marginally acceptable at Halloween. It is totally inappropriate at Christmas. Like, the marginally acceptable part. Like, how... I completely agree with the judgy McJudgerson name uh, Diana Rowling gave this person. Mm. Because how do you say it was marginally acceptable? Like, (laughs) this person isn't... She's a Scrooge. That's, that's yeah, a real Scrooge in in many ways. It's kind of amazing. So I'm I'm generally delighted by the whole thing um, because yeah, of course I am. <laughs> Why not? It makes me want to put di- dragons. Yeah, yeah, I I want to put dragons out. I don't have like a yard, but right. I feel like people in Portland would enjoy it though. I don't think it's I was the same just going to say you live in the land of like the witch like tubing down the river, you know. That's true. <laughs> events. So I feel like por- dragons for Portland, you know, in Christmas time would be perfectly appropriate. 100% acceptable. I wonder how my apartment building management would feel if I set up a display on the front lawn of my building. <laughs> they might like it too if you live in like any sort of a hip neighborhood i feel like they'd be they'd be totally down for it i wonder i wonder i'll be like calling up my like hi delia like i had this idea <laughs> what do you think <laughs> like oh man it's it's this person again uh, this girl again stop calling <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely so the best that is the best christmas story you totally win i win <laughs> <laughs> so much of my exciting news is netflix based i realize but i guess i can't be too mad because i enjoy streaming things especially now that the holidays are upon us because i think i too am going to do a lot of marathoning while i have Mm -hmm. some downtime not surprisingly well maybe surprisingly not reading as much (laughs) taking a break but my the next thing i wanted to talk about was this stranger things season three teaser trailer not even really a trailer because i was probably among many people who got really excited about a trailer coming out for this because i love stranger things and then you watch the trailer we'll have of course a link to it um just watch it 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 basically gives you no information i was so annoyed but i am glad that it's still on the ticket it's still coming um and of course it's starring the same cast members we all love like winona Ryder and uh i don't know millie bobby brown super cool so it is coming there is a teaser for this but unfortunately it doesn't give you much information but it does give you the chills so i still i guess recommend watching it so that is my very brief update on stranger things for all of the super fans like myself yeah that's another one i'm way too far behind on like i've seen a bit of season one but i am not any farther along than that um it's a good one 
Yeah, I know. I totally intend. I my intentions are the best. <laughs> my follow through <laughs> is the worst. I know. I'm the same way. Like I only I specifically set out time because I have been so bad in the past about keeping up with these things that mm-hmm. it's a funny thing to have to enforce TV oh, viewing yeah. time. It it kind of sounds preposterous, but I need to be more in with the times or something. So luckily there's a lot of quality content, especially like science fiction and fantasy related coming out. And No kidding. Yeah. Well, well, while we're talking about shows, I have had this on the agenda for a while, but it's finally like calendar relevant because Runaways season yes. two is back as of today. Um, so exciting. It is on Hulu. If you did not watch season one, so I'm a reader of the comics, although I have not read the newest run that, um, well, it might not even be the newest run at this point. The last time I was paying attention, Rainbow Rowell had done a run of it and I, I have not read that one Ooh. or anything that has come after, but I'm familiar with the Brian K. Vaughn one and I'm super I've loved it for a long time and I was super happy with the way the first season went it was it was slow but I didn't mind it because I thought it was so interesting the way that the the show went back and forth between the parents and the kids because obviously in the original you're very hyper focused on the kids which is fine but they got some great actors to play the parents and I really enjoyed it Um, I enjoyed those performances a lot and the the kids also were really beautifully cast and they've made well, okay. So the where season one ends, you don't know if a really pivotal plot point from the Vaughn run is happening or not. Like you just don't know. And so, and everything could change based on what they do with that plot point. So I've been waiting for season two and my feeling is that it's going to be different, um, but I don't know for sure. So this is like at the top of my marathon watching list for the next week is I have got to watch this. Um, I'm so excited for season two. I think the way they rolled it out last time was you got one episode per week. Like it wasn't just sort of all at once. And, um, and so I think it'll probably be the same, um, which is I, when you were talking about enforcing TV time, like that's exactly what I did with this. Yeah. I was like, nope, it is <laughs> like, it's, I have to watch this now. Like, this is what's happening. Like I must watch it on, you know, it's, it harkens back to those old days of network television where you're like, it's Thursday. I've got to watch my stories. That like, kind of feels nice nowadays. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's I still have that a little bit with um, when I get sucked into it, depending on the season, the voice. Like, I'll be like, oh, what's happening this week? Like, who's or or so you think you can dance? Yes. Um, my reality shows for sure. I definitely, definitely get. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but narrative shows, you know, it's a little bit easier sometimes to like be like, oh, I'll catch up next week, you know, whatever, especially when they're on streaming. But I'm so excited for more runaways and I cannot wait to see what they're going to do with this plot point. I'm dying to know. So. Yes. So for all of you, if you haven't watched it, I would suggest giving it a try. All of season one is up. And if you have read the stuff and watched it, I hope you will be on the edge of your seats with me about what's happening next. I'm so I'm so happy that it's back. <laughs> well, the roles have been reversed because this one I have not watched at all. I haven't even read the series. So I this is something I have to catch up on because I wasn't sure I did I have no idea what it's about other than like previous conversations about it mm-hmm, but so mm-hmm. I I'm going into it completely blind and now I don't know whether I should get the book first read it well, first or it's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, the the like l- littlest, shortest pitch for it is that it's a bunch of teenagers who discover that their parents are supervillains, and some of them also figure out that they have special powers um, that they were not previously aware of. And so you can imagine sort of the world-shaking revelation that that would be to find out that your parents are like part of a supervillain cult. Um and what you might do in response to that, having been raised to be like a normal, like totally normal teenager. Uh, yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know I'll what just- to say about whether or not it's better to read them or not first, I guess, because I feel like you could go either way, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of feelings built up around the Vaughn run. And so, 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Flip a coin. I feel like yeah. it could go either way, and I'm somebody who is not a stickler about that. So sure, I feel same, like I can. Same. Just, I'm probably gonna watch it. Let's all be real. Yes. I'm gonna watch it. First. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be lazy and sit around and watch a lot of TV. So that's what I'm gonna do. Totally fine by me. Uh, shall we end our news early? Because I want to talk about some resolutions, perhaps. Yes. Because I have one. Okay. And it's to read more science fiction. Because I feel like everybody I know who is into science fiction and fantasy tends to lean harder in either science fiction or fantasy. And I have discovered through... Being on this podcast that I very heavily lean into fantasy. So I want to do more exploring science fiction, not just reading for the shows, but actually like – and looking at the list of what's coming out in 2019 made me really excited for getting into more science fiction. So I'm going to try to be a more balanced SFF reader is my 2019 resolution and it remains to be seen if I'll follow through. (laughs) That's a good one. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I don't really have a resolution for this year just because my reading has been so dictated by the different podcasts, like between Get Booked, all the books, this one, and then the newsletter. Like, it's like, there's no, yeah, it's just not, it's not optional. (laughs) Like, like I get to pick inside of those buckets, but the buckets are very specific of what I can read. And, you know, I will say it's interesting, but doing the reviews for Swords and Spaceships, what's alternate between fantasy and sci-fi has definitely I think made me aware of what directions I tend to lean mm-hmm. um, and so it's easier to find certain things in like fantasy or YA for example YA sci-fi fantasy than it is in adult or adult science fiction or so, you know yeah. what I mean like just depending on what tropes I'm looking at so I definitely well the, here's a spreadsheet project for me oh what boy. I could do <laughs> because of course I have a spreadsheet of everything of I've course. ever recommended for the newsletter what I could do is look through it and sort by like sub genre like how many of them are like space versus like near future versus western versus you know what I mean like what kind is it urban fantasy fantasy or is it medieval fantasy like what am i what do i tend to lean towards Uh and then correct for that that could be interesting that's a fun spreadsheet project like i need another one (laughs) (laughs) i i'm forever envious of your spreadsheet abilities because it's so it's so useful you have no idea i I'm going to try and do a little bit more of that. I totally failed last year, so. I was just going to say, wasn't that your reading resolution last year was to track your reading? <laughs> let's not, let's not bring that up. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's okay. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I just need to find a method. I'm Listen, still, that's part of a resolution. It's my unmentionable resolution. <laughs> it's only bad if you're actually like, if you need it and you're not getting it. If it's not, if it's not that, you know, if you're not missing it from your life, then you're fine. Yeah. Maybe I should stop being so hard on myself. Yeah. I mean, I do it because I think it's interesting and fun and it is useful to me, but I can't imagine turning that into a chore, like especially when you work in books, so much of your relationship with books is both you love them and they are work. And so adding any more levels of work that are unnecessary to reading, I think is a bad idea. Like I say that as the spreadsheet queen, but like (laughs) truly, if you're not going to get joy out of tracking your reading, don't track it. Like why bother? Thank you, Jen. No problem. Thank you for coming, swooping in and soothing my poor sad soul. (laughs) I mean, I just, you know, I know that like we all have aspirations. I have so many aspirations, you know, to do things a certain way or to be more good about X, Y, or Z. But like perhaps it is, you know, rounding the latter half of my 30s. I'm just like, you know, if this is not going to add functionality or enjoyment to my life, like why am I doing it? (laughs) Like what? Because you only have time for so much, and therefore it should be useful or fun at the very least, or maybe both. I one hundred percent agree, and yeah. I can't wait until I'm just too old to care about so many things. <laughs> I aspire to that. Is my aspiration yes. <laughs> to be too old to care? <laughs> oh, wonderful. Our next sponsor is Night Chaser by Amanda Boucher. 
It's about Captain Tess Bailey and her ragtag band of thieves who are also wanted criminals. They steal from the haves to give to the have-nots. And even though her heart is in the right place, her actions still get her into trouble. And there's no trouble greater than the dreaded galactic overseer Novalite. After stealing a top-secret military laboratory and inciting Novalite's rage, Tess and her crew manage to escape and miraculously survive. Docked on their new planet, Tess encounters the tall, dark, and haughty bounty hunter Shade Ganovan, who has to decide if he wants to turn them over to the Galactic Overseer and be set for life, or if the real payoff is winning Tess's heart. I love the sound of this, mm-hmm. and I have read the first book in her first series, The Kingmaker Chronicles, which got tons of praise. It was very beloved. Lots of starred reviews, NPR Best Book of 2016, Bustle Best Romance of 2016, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and my also beloved author, Nalini Singh, called the her first series, The Kingmaker Chronicles, a heart-pounding and joyous romantic adventure and said that Boucher's talent is striking. So this is a new one from Amanda Boucher, and Night Chaser is the perfect genre bender. It's Star Wars meets Robin Hood meets sci-fi fantasy romance. It's got snappy banter and ex- unforgettable characters and of course swoony high stakes romance so if this sounds like your cup of tea it's definitely mine then you should check it out again that is night chaser by amanda boucher thank you so much for sponsoring the show that sounds excellent it does doesn't it i did see that one in the catalog too and was like oh i need that (laughs) um Okay, so, right. So as I was going through the publisher catalogs for this show, I noticed an odd little trend. It's only two books that I found, but two, when I had never seen this, I don't remember seeing this before, seemed very interesting to me. And this trend is books under pseudonyms for, like, acclaimed authors who you don't know who they are. So the first one I found was The Girl Who Could Move bleep with her mind by Jackson Ford. And in the copy for this galley, it said Jackson Ford is a pseudonym for a critically acclaimed science fiction author. Very mysterious. And then the second one was called FKA USA by Reed King. And Reed King is the pseudonym of a New York Times bestselling author and TV writer. Also very mysterious. Yes. I noticed this too going through. I was so glad you brought it up because I, you know, you see it and then it slips your mind. Mm -hmm. But it is very strange. And I was a little bit wary. Like, is this like somebody who doesn't want their name to be on a thing for a bad reason? Like, that's where my (laughs) jaded mind first went. But I'm really intrigued. I mean, in the year of our angst, 2018, that is not a bad <laughs> guess. Like, I can only, I can totally understand why you went there. I'm always curious because, you know, a lot of times when people use a pseudonym, it's because they're known for something different mm-hmm. and they want to market to a new audience. But also, like, saying that it's a pseudonym for a critically acclaimed science fiction author is kind of like... You're like, okay, well, it's somebody fancy, but we're not going to tell you who. And you're yeah. like, okay, just like make up a bio. Like, why are you teasing me about this? So it kind of feels like they want to have it both ways. Like, oh, no, this is a best-selling acclaimed author, but you don't need to know who. You just need to, you know, the, just pretend that it's not a pseudonym. Like, what, like, what's the point of a pseudonym in this case? So, yeah, I also am very curious about this. And I am a little wary. I'm like, will I read these? I don't know. Like, I prefer to know... Especially in these days, who's writing what I'm reading? I don't. I'm not a person who can entirely separate the art from the artist. Um, Yeah. And so I'm just like, well, like your mystery is not intriguing to me. Your mystery is off-putting to me. But I can (laughs) see also how other people would be extra curious. I think other people might have a different reaction. So I'm curious. Yeah. Like I I will see what happens with this. Like how long will it be before BuzzFeed unmasks one of them? Do you think? Seriously. Two days in, two days after it comes out. (laughs) Everybody's going to be wondering. So it doesn't feel like pseudonyms last very long these days. No, they don't. So I mean, remember when JK Rowling got unmasked as Robert Galbraith. Yeah, and it, like that didn't last very long either, if I Mm-mm. recall correctly. And how could it? Like I was like, okay, well, there was no way that was going to right. you know, stay secret. So and yeah. the science fiction and fantasy community, I feel like are extra 
sleuthy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's such a small world. Yeah. Come on now, people. I know. I know. <laughs> Agree. Agree. All right. Let's see. So let's get into our most anticipated. I made rules up for myself because I I needed some because otherwise I was just going insane. Um, So I only looked through June, which seemed reasonable, six months out. And then I didn't – I have some shout outs, but I did not include any sequels or series books in my official four picks. Same. Yes. So my first pick is one I have the physical galley sitting on my bookshelf. I'm so excited (laughs) to bust into it. It's The Bird King by G. Willow Wilson, which is coming out on March 12th of 2019. So we only have to wait a little bit longer if you don't have the galley. And the pitch for this is a fantastical journey set at the height of the Spanish Spanish Inquisition from the award-winning author of Aleph the Unseen and writer of the Ms. Marvel series. It's a jubilant story of love versus power, religion versus faith, and freedom versus safety. And um, it's set during the reign of the last sultan in the Iberian Peninsula. So I am a sucker for historical fantasy. I love historical fantasy. <laughs> like talk about, you know, subgenres that we love. That is definitely high on my list. And I first, like, I I remember picking up Aleph the Unseen forever ago as a bookseller on a whim and being so blown away by what an interesting book it is. If you haven't read it, it's a science fantasy set in this sort of unnamed Middle Eastern theocracy. And the main character is like a gray hat hacker um, who finds a magic book and gets sucked into this, like, giant supernatural war. And um, it's so good. It's so action-y and it's so interesting and she's writing about you know like non-western characters and non-western issues in a lot of these cases and it's so good um and i remember when she started writing the miss marvel run and Mm -hmm. i was so excited about that and i love that run um and so yeah i just and she's written a bunch of other comics too actually that i've really enjoyed so you know she's she's just she's really creative and talented and is so good at action which i appreciate um but also you know takes care that her characters are fully developed so there was no way i wasn't going to be excited about this and it has been a while because she's so busy with comic stuff it's been a really long time since we got a full-on book from her so i am super jazzed about bird king i've only read uh miss marvel but i also love her sense of humor Mm-hmm. It was so mm-hmm. good in that comic series, and I like I would definitely pick that up. I don't know if she she is the same type of writer in her novels, but she's so she's so wonderful. Yeah, it's interesting too because comics are so collaborative. You know, yeah. like it's uh, like her interplay between you know the art and the dialogue and everything it seems like she works on that really well i do i'm trying to think i remember pitch i always pitched aleph the unseen to people as like oh yeah it's like actiony and adventury and it's magic and it's computer coding and it's all of these things rolled up into one so it does seem to me that she's good at pacing and dialogue like when i think about and action sequences so it makes sense that she would be good at comics because comics rely so much on those things yeah um, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super curious to see what a historical fantasy from her will look like, especially because, you know, I think it's sort of standard for historical fantasy that people take a lot of time with the world building mm-hmm. and she's been writing in worlds that are sort of prefab, you know, like they don't require that much fleshing out. I mean, that's an, okay. I take it back. That's not a hundred percent true for Aleph the Unseen, but, um, but anyway, contemporary versus historical is very different, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see how her writing style will translate to that. That's super exciting. I'll probably pick that one up too. Yeah. Well, I will keep you posted. Oh, good. <laughs> um, so again, that's the bird King by G Willow Wilson, and that will be out on March 12th. All right, so my first pick is a new fantasy novel by one of my all-time favorite authors. I am I had to hold back from screaming when I saw this book cover. <laughs> by Helen Oya Yemi, and the book is Gingerbread. It's out March 5th. And this isn't only a book by a favorite author of mine. It does one of my favorite things, which is taking fairy tale tropes and making them new. And 
you know, I think we all know the significance of gingerbread in fairy tales. As soon as I saw that word on the book cover, I had no idea what it was about. I was like, fairy tale. So, (laughs) you know, you think of Hansel and Gretel. And in Oyeyemi's gingerbread, we meet this family whose legacy is a recipe, a gingerbread recipe. And the story is set in Britain where Perdita Lee is a schoolgirl and then Harriet Lee is a working mother. And it's also set in lesser known, and I am probably going to butcher this name, but it's a fantasy world, so forgive me, Druha Strana. And the Lee family gingerbread is very popular in Druha Strana and even more so with a certain individual named, surprise, surprise, Gretel, Gretel Kercheval. And Gretel's had a major impact on her childhood friend Harriet's life and seems to have had a hand in every decision Harriet has made. And then one day Perdita decides to set out to find this long-lost friend of her mother's. And I imagine she's probably going to end up in Drew Hastrana. So this isn't the first time Helen Oyeyemi has taken on fairy tales and fairy tale tropes. And the ways... She takes elements from these very simple stories and weaves them into these rich, complex, and often eerie tales she's known for is something to behold. Like, I'm regularly impressed by how she does that. And perhaps because most of her stories are grounded in a familiar reality and explore some timely themes, her books tend to appeal to people who wouldn't normally pick up fantasy. So I wasn't surprised to see this book all over Instagram in the hands of early readers. And I can't wait to dig into it myself because I'm also a fan of mother-daughter stories. Like I read The Hazelwood earlier in 2018 and really enjoyed some similar themes of a daughter questing because of her mother and also like family legacy wrapped into it. So I'm ready for more of that and more of Oyeyemi's particular magic. So again, that was Gingerbread by Helen Oyeyemi, and it's out March 5th. I'm excited for that one, too. Her short story collection, the most recent one, was just so good. So, so good. I haven't read that one yet. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, It was great. I cannot remember the title off the top of my head, but I'll pop it in the show notes for y'all. It was very, very good. Just weird. Just weird and sort of meandering, which is like par for the course for her. It absolutely (laughs) is. It absolutely is. I'm not surprised. One of the things I love, yeah, about her writing. Um, Okay, so my next fantasy pick is actually a fantasy thriller. It is called Unraveling, and it is by Karen Lord. And I I, again, this is an author who I love. Um, Karen Lord wrote a bunch of other books, including The Best of All Possible Worlds, which was like a sci-fi. And then um, she also wrote a, a novella called Redemption in Indigo that is a sort of magical retelling of a Caribbean folktale that I have been raving about for years and I'm constantly recommending to people. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a big fan, obviously. And this is something interesting. It's a standalone fantasy, always nice. Um, and it is a serial killer story also. So apparently uh, it follows uh, a, a woman named Miranda who is a forensic psychiatrist. Um, and the serial killer that has been terrorizing the city, capital C, is finally behind bars, but she still has work to do. She has been snatched from the brink of death by chance and met otherworldly brothers Ajit and Yao. And the three begin an unusual investigation into seven unusual murders. And these winding paths and clues lead them to ever more difficult questions, including what is living, what is dying, and what does it mean to be immortal? And who is the man who would kill to live forever? So there's a lot going on here. And again, this one is steeped in Caribbean storytelling, which is a thing I love to read. Um, Nilla Hopkinson does this too, and her books are also among my favorites when you kind of mesh these different folks folk tales and folk stories and then you put them together with you know contemporary things like forensic psychology or psychiatry like what that's so interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) what a cool blend and having red lord do two very different things like redemption and indigo has a lot of the same storytelling cadences as an oral story as a as a folk tale 
And then um, her space books are much more like straightforward, feel more science fiction um, and are less sort of, you know, whimsical. And so I'm really curious as to what the feel of this is going to be like, because it's it's taking, you know, two very different things. So which which direction will she go with that prose? I'm so curious to see. Uh, so, yeah, I am jazzed about this one. And it's also a good excuse for me to reread Redemption in Indigo because I just love rereading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently there's a little note in the copy that this is lightly connected to that novella, which makes me even happier. So, yeah, super excited. That is Unraveling by Karen Lord. Okay, I'm going to move right along to my next pick, which is a debut YA fantasy novel by Nafiza Azad. And it's The Candle and the Flame. And I actually know Nafisa through Bookstagram, and I've watched her stories and posts about this book for a while. So I was definitely cheering along when she posted uh, the first pick of the cover of this book, which, by the way, is gorgeous. And I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or offline, but a while back, uh, Jen and I were talking about how many gin stories we were seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now we can add this one to the list. Nice. Yeah, the story is set in a city along the Silk Road as these two opposing clans of jinn are locked in battle. And Fatima lives in this bustling city called Nur, which is diverse in language and faith. And she's a survivor of this really terrible atrocity where a clan of jinn slaughtered the entire population of Nur, except for her and two other people. So the city hasn't quite forgotten its bloody past, but it has a new Maharaja and it's protected by the Ifrit, uh, which are jinn of order and reason. But then one of the Ifrit dies and with the death comes this inexplicable change in Fatima. She becomes entangled in the world of the Maharaja and his sister. Then also the Ifrit's commander, Zulfikar, and she's pulled toward the battlefield. So I knew this book was going to be really exciting. And the description got me right in the wheelhouse because it involves like, you know, magical, artistic young woman. She plays the Oud, uh, hence the artistic part. Mm. And she's drawn into court intrigue against this really fascinating backdrop. So I'm all here for it. I couldn't be happier that Nafisa got published for selfish reasons and otherwise. And again, that was The Candle in the Flame by Nafisa Azad, and it's out May 14th. And it might be worth noting, since just about every YA fantasy I pick up seems to be a series, that this one is a standalone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. All right, let's see. My first science fiction pick is The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley, another author who does both science fiction and fantasy. Um, I started reading her in the Mirror Empire series, which is her like, there's, if like if you're a Game of Thrones fan and you need something else, like pick up those. They're very dark. They're mm. very intense. They're kind of violent. And there's really great world building. Um but this one, which comes out March 19th, is a sci-fi thriller about a futuristic war during which soldiers are broken down into light in order to get them to the front lines on Mars, which is kind of genius, right? Like, okay, if, if nothing can travel sp- faster than the speed of light, like, why wouldn't you just turn the things you need to travel into light? Like, Oh, what? yeah. <laughs> genius. <laughs> so simple. So elegant. Except it turns out it doesn't really work the way it's supposed to. Surprise. Um, so the light brigade is what the soldiers fighting the war against Mars call the ones who come back different. Um, they get uh, in the corporate court, get busted down into light to travel to and from the interplanetary battlefronts. And everybody is changed by what the core does in order to break them down into light. Um, and so this story follows Dietz, who is a fresh recruit in the infantry and begins to experience combat drops that don't sync up with the platoons and his bad drops tell the story of the war that's not at all what the corporate brass want the soldiers to think is going on. Um, oh, I just used his, but there's actually not a pronoun associated with this character. I just realized as I was skimming this. So perhaps not he, but anyway, Dietz is our main character. And um, it's one of these, it, from all appearances, it is one of these books where it's hard to tell, like, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? And is this, like, m- personal madness or is something sinister actually going on? And, of course, it's set in space, and I am a big fan of books like this. So, yeah, I, 
Cameron Hurley is such an interesting writer. She does so many different things. Um, I confess that I could not finish her last um, yeah. uh, sci-fi book, The Stars Are Legion, because the body horror was too much for me. But um, I'm hopeful about this one. I can usually handle like the violence and gore associated with war stories pretty well. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, so that's The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley. Cool. Uh, my science fiction pick, my first science fiction pick is a Charlie Jane Anders book. Super yes. exciting. Uh, the book is The City in the Middle of the Night, and it's as thrilling and moody a title as it gets if you ask me. And it's out uh, February 12th, so you don't even have to wait too long for it. And the story follows Sophie, who's described as a reluctant revolutionary. Sophie lives on the planet January. Which has two sides, one of frozen darkness and one of endless sunshine. And it's not a pleasant level of sunshine in case you're thinking like blue skies and picnics, not that. Uh, so civilization does exist in this sort of meager, scraping sort of way. And there are two really miserable cities built on the sliver of habitable dusk. And Sophie, who's a student, was exiled from this habitable zone and sent to die on the nighttime side of the planet. But she's a survivor, and she forms a bond with these strange beasts of this icy nighttime world. And she'd rather not deal with the world that exiled her, but that's not really how life works out for her. And events are set in motion, so as it turns out, she might be someone who changes the world. And... I, it seems like I'm endlessly reading stories about women on a mission, which is great. Uh, I love it so much. Uh, and we've talked about Charlie Jane Anders a few times and recommended All the Birds in the Sky, which is also excellent if you haven't checked it out and want something to read right this minute. Uh, but, you know, Anders is the former editor-in-chief of io9.com, where many of our news stories come from. Mm -hmm. And so you know that you're getting something written by a person who's steeped in the genre, and you can tell it's so wonderful. So if you, too, find the idea of survival on planets in dire states as fascinating and terrifying as I do, and if you also enjoy stories about spurned women surviving against all odds with a band of non-human friends... Uh, you should definitely pick up The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders, and it hits shelves February 12th. So looking forward to that yeah. one. All right. My second sci-fi pick is The Deep by River Solomon, David Diggs, William Hutch, excuse me, Hutchson, and Jonathan Snipes, which this is such an interesting project, y'all. So this <laughs> comes out in June. It's June 4th. And this was originally a song... Produced by David Diggs's rap group Clipping for a This American Life episode, um, which I have listened to, and I'm going to drop a link to that in the show notes if you haven't listened to it already. It's super cool because it is a song, but it's also sort of like an audio short story. Like there's some dialogue and it is telling you a story. Um and I guess I have no idea. Like, I'm dying to know how this collaboration happened. Um, but somehow, thanks to the powers that be, uh, River Solomon was tapped to write, like, the book adaptation in conjunction with them for this story. So it's not just, you know, a song. Now it's like a whole novel. So exciting. Um and River Solomon, if you'll remember, is the author of An Unkindness of Ghosts, which I raved about a bunch on this show. It's a generation ship story. It's really, really, really good. Um, they were a finalist for the John W. Campbell Award for that one and, like, totally deserved. Um, and so this is the story of the water-breathing descendants of African slave women who were tossed overboard during the slave trade. And they have built their own underwater society and must reclaim memories of their past to shape their future. Uh, so it is um, obviously a really intense premise. I And River Solomon is no stranger to taking slavery as a topic and putting it in a science fictional or fantastical concept. So it makes perfect sense to me that they would be the person tapped to do this. Um, and the main character, Yetu, uh, holds the memories for her people um, as the historian and remembers for everyone uh, all of these terrible and traumatic and wonderful things, um, but it's destroying her. So she flees to the surface 
surface to escape all of her responsibilities and these memories and expectations and discovers a world that her people left behind long ago. So now she has to learn more about her own past and the future of her people. And so I think this sounds fascinating. I'm really excited. And I think it will be also really cool to read this novella and then revisit the song. Uh, it's just such a cool project. So again, that's The Deep. Um, it comes out June 4th, and it is from River Solomon, David Diggs, William Hudson, and Jonathan Snipes. I have never heard anything like that before. That's really cool. It's fascinating. So fascinating. Okay, my final science fiction pick is an anthology, and it's one in translation. So it's Broken Stars, Contemporary Chinese Science Fiction in Translation. It's translated by Ken Liu, of course. Yay! <laughs> out February 19th, um, so another one coming up soon. Uh, we said it before, I'll say it again, Ken Liu is tireless. He must have access to some sort of sci-fi time-turning device <laughs> to be able to do all the things he does, including writing his own complex books like The Grace of Kings and translating other authors' complex books like uh, Lao Titian's The Three-Body Problem. Mm -hmm. I'm glad he does it, however he does it. So this is a new anthology of Chinese science fiction from some familiar names, including the aforementioned Lao Titian and also Hao Jing Feng. Um, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that one wrong. I couldn't even find it online. Uh, but she won a Hugo for the best novelette for her story, Folding Beijing. So that might be why her name is familiar to you. And some of the authors are being published in English for the first time here, which is really exciting because, you know, that means more discovery and hopefully more great science fiction works in translation down the line for them. And the anthology is made up mostly of short stories, but it also includes a few essays on science fiction, including one that sparked my interest titled A Brief in Introduction to Chinese Science Fiction and Fandom. Um, as for the – yeah, I know. I'm really curious. Um, and then for the short stories and novellas, the, the subgenres they cover include hard science fiction, cyberpunk, science fantasy, and space opera. And then there's also alternate Chinese history and Chen Yu time travel, which I had to look up. It turns out it's a specifically Chinese genre of fiction where the protagonist travels back in time to historical periods. Um, and it just feels like a really exciting time for genre fiction and translation. And I'm also uh, always interested when new works are translated. So if you're looking to pick up more translated science fiction and fantasy, check out Broken Stars, Contemporary Chinese Science Fiction in Translation, uh, translated by Ken Liu, out February 19th. Hooray! Yay! Um, do we want to do our shout outs? I'm we're like running I felt out like we were going over. So yeah, I'm let's forget about it. We'll talk mine. about those <laughs> next we time. We will. We will. Okay, so that's it for us. Uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of 2019 reads to talk about in the future. Thank you all for listening. And as usual, you can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. Uh, you can also review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find us. And you can find us online. You can find me on Instagram at S Zina Williams, S C A I N A B Williams. How about you, Jen? I am on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, and that is Jen with two N's IRL. Thanks for listening. Bye.